Hey, thanks so much for joining us at our Red Rocks Church podcast. If you're new here, we're just a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. We hope that this message encourages your heart, builds your faith so that you can say yes to all of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy this message. anybody use a breakthrough today? Will you pray with me and believe in faith? God, I do not believe you have any of us tuning into this on accident. We know you don't do accidents. You don't do coincidences. We are here on purpose for a purpose. God, I pray that you would speak to every single person about our lives right now. I pray that as, as we start to celebrate the power of testimonies through this new teaching series, that you would take other people's stories, apply them to our story, and do life-changing things in the process. We believe that's gonna happen. We stand in faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You can have a seat. Let's say hi to everybody. What's up, all the Denver-based locations? We love you. Austin, Texas, we love you. Brussels, Belgium, we love you. And men and women at our God Behind Bars campuses, we love you so much. You are family, don't ever forget that. We're glad you're with us. So um, I got stuff going on today. I sound weird because I got a head cold. And I, this, if you were here the last time I got to talk, I told you I had torn my bicep and um, was about to have a surgery. I have had said surgery. Surgery went great. And uh, now I get to wear this really cool brace for the next few weeks. So, um, so that's why that's happening. And I thought I was really doing something good by wearing a long sleeve shirt to sort of, you know, blend it in. And now I feel like I just have a floating hand. And so I don't know. Um, and you'll have to just disregard anything I say that's slightly off color today. I took a Sudafed and just had a Red Bull, and I just thought, I don't even know what that does to a person. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. I was driving here. My wife's out of town, and I was driving here, and I was like, I know I took a Sudafed this morning, and then I went, I know she put them next to each other. Did I take a daytime or a nighttime? <laughs> so I drank a Red Bull to make sure, so we'll just see what happens. So welcome to Red Rocks Church. We love you so much. We're starting this new teaching series called Vantage Point, and, and the, the foundational scripture of this series is this. It's Revelation 12, 11. It's talking about defeating the power of Satan in somebody's life. And in case you're visiting, like, you don't have to believe what we believe to be here, but I do want you to know what we believe. And we believe that there's a very real God and a very real Satan, devil, the enemy, call him whatever you want. We believe there's a heaven, there's a hell. We believe that Jesus Christ is the one and only son of the one and only God and the one and only way to heaven. We believe that the Bible is God's perfect word to guide our life until we get to spend forever with him in heaven. So that's where we're at. You don't have to agree with us. If you, in fact, if you don't, all the more merrier, please come. Don't feel like I gotta think the way they think, believe the way they believe, act the way they act, dress the way they dress, none of that. No matter who you are, no matter what you've been through, you're welcome in this place. And we love you, and you've already been prayed for, so welcome. But this is what it's talking about. There's, there's two things that defeated the power of Satan. 
And it was the blood of the lamb, that's referring to Jesus, and the word of their testimony. testimony. Say that one more time at every location, like you mean it, and the word of their testimony. There's power in our story. Jesus, when he died on the cross, they oftentimes in the Old Testament referred to him as the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. And, and so when he was on the cross being crucified, he obviously bled, and it was that blood that paid the price for our sins, and that's what he's talking about. There's, there's, some, there's life-changing, eternal-changing power in the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. And then, the, and then that verse says, but there's power in our testimony. When we take what God has done in our lives and and, and get some courage and take some risks and care about somebody enough to turn around and say, look, I don't have all the answers and I'm not perfect and I'm not a Bible scholar and I'm real messed up, but I could just tell you what God's done in my life. There's power in that. For the next six weeks, me, Doug, and Ronnie, we're gonna hit the road and we're not just going to tell you about things that have happened in our life, we're gonna show you. We're gonna go to the places and spaces where we have had some of the most um, God-ordained moments, moments that have changed the direction of our lives, and we're gonna share those with you. And as we do, our prayer has been that God would take our story and apply it to your story, amen? And that's why it's so important that you're willing to share your story, because I need your story in the same way you need my story, and somebody in your family needs your story, and somebody at your office needs your story, and somebody in your school needs your story, and that's what we're gonna talk about today, all right? You guys excited for this series? All right. Welcome to week one of Vantage Point. The reason I ended up at this building needs a little setup. I was 24 years old. I lived in Los Angeles, California, and I was trying to work in the film business. What I really had done, though, is get myself into a whole lot of trouble. I started hanging out with the wrong people, going to the wrong places, getting in with the wrong crowds. Started, I always drank, but I started flirting with a lot of drugs, and, and that turned into habitual use. And so I was habitually using alcohol and drugs and trying to get with girls and just living this crazy lifestyle that I thought at the, at the moment was like, man, this is the dream. This is what I've always wanted. But like everything that's opposite of God's will for your life, the Bible says that stuff's fun for a season and then it ends up turning on its head, doesn't it? And it wasn't fun anymore. It was just a habit, a lot of habits. Then it turned into a lot of misery and a lot of sense of purposelessness. A friend of mine had tried to commit suicide and we went to go see him at the hospital and he's hooked up to all these machines and, and he's in a coma and the doctors had already told us that he's not gonna make it. And the crazy thing is, is we kind of said our goodbyes and then me and my friends went out and partied that night. And it hit me the next day. The next day I woke up and I was thinking about the day before and I was like, hey, if that had been me, if I would have been on that bed in a coma about to die, my friends would have went out and partied without me. What I really had done is just surround myself with a lot of people who like to party, but I didn't have any real relationships. And, and I started to realize like, I'm not making a real difference in this world. Like this world isn't, isn't a better place because of me. Like I don't do anything that matters. And I started having all these crazy thoughts. And for the first time in my life, I started having panic attacks. 
and I, I would be walking around like crazy in, the, in, this, in this apartment, like I couldn't ever catch my breath. And, and I, would, I would randomly cry and uh, about three weeks of that and I got real suicidal. And I actually sat down one day with the intention of taking my own life. And right before I did, I had this thought, wait a second, when I was little, my mom took me to a place like this. It wasn't this big, but she took me to a little church. And in that little church, they talked about heaven and hell and what if they were right. And all of a sudden that started to scare me because if they are, and I take my life today, that means I'm about to go to one of them and I don't know the rules to get in, see? And so I got scared and I couldn't go through with my suicide attempt. And I called one person who I knew had a church connection. And the truth is because somewhere deep in my soul, I knew what I was missing. I called a guy who had a church connection because somehow I knew as far apart from God as I was at the time, somehow I just knew what I'm missing out on in life is God. <laughs> and he did what I knew he would do. He brought me here to this church in Illinois. And I remember standing here and I think he had to go do some stuff. And so he was inside. And I remember standing out here that very first Sunday by myself. And I wish so bad they had security footage from that day. Cause I'm a hundred percent on the security watch that day. Like all the guys with earpieces were like leather jacket, copy that. We got a problem front door. Like I stood right here. I have my leather jacket on straight out of Hollywood, right? My leather jacket on, my gray thrift store pants, chain wallet, combat boots, and I'm burning through cigarettes. I started thinking about that this week. How many people that went to church here all the time that know the rules and know how to play the game and know how to dress and know the words to the songs and how many of those people walked by me and thought, what's this dude doing here? He doesn't belong here. I was acting tough and I was smoking cigarettes and giving people like, you know, kind of that mall look, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's up, what's up, bro? I was acting tough, but the truth is I stood right in front of that door and I remember like it was yesterday, I was dying on the inside. And although I didn't want to admit it, I was so hopeful that something on the inside of this building was gonna change my life because I was desperate for change. And I knew I needed change. I just couldn't believe I was at a place like this looking for it. So I finished my last cigarette, stomped it out, and headed inside for my very first church service as an adult. So I walk in here and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh. I didn't know churches like this existed. Like, it's like we're in the Pepsi Center. I mean, this place is gigantic. And, and, and I haven't seen this many suits in one room in forever. And, and someone has, they, they're a friend of my friends who brought me. So they, they, they show me where I'm supposed to sit. And so they bring me right over here and I'm just taking this thing in like, I'm going, what in the world is this place? And they sit me right about here. And I'm watching, I'm taking it all in for the first time. And, and if you're watching this and you've been going to church for a long time, I want you to think about the first time you went. Put yourself back there because church, church is a different animal if you've not been to it. 
for, for, for a while or maybe forever, right? So I'm sitting here and I realize that everybody knows the words to the song. They know when to sit. They know when to stand. I don't know any of it. And the first song they start playing, they put the words up and it says something about lambs and blood. And I was like, and then people are putting their hands in the air to it. People are putting their hands in the air, all singing about the blood of a lamb. And I'm like, what kind of cult did my friend bring me to? This is crazy. I didn't realize that the Bible says that Jesus was the lamb of God who, come, who came to take away the sins of the world. And it was the blood that he shed on the cross that provided us with salvation. I didn't know any of that. All I know is we got hands in the air and lamb's blood. And then a guy comes on stage and he's, he's saying slash singing, Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't know what that means. So now I'm like, oh, he brought me to a, a, a different language service and we got lamb's blood and a different language and that suit is bro, so out of style and I'm just a hot mess. And then I had to like, stop, stop, stop. Focus on why you're here. And so I started to regroup and I started to just kind of take it all in. So I'm making it through the worship experience, which I didn't even know that's what they called it with the guys in the suits and the three ladies in the matching dresses and a tambourine, did I mention? There was a tambourine on this side of the stage, besides the point. And all of a sudden it kind of stops and everybody sits down and I sit down and it was weird because I started to like be aware of things about myself that I usually wasn't aware of, like, I think I'm the only person in this room who smells like smoke. I wonder if they can smell it. I wonder if they can smell it. I wonder what they're thinking. And then I started doing this. I'm kind of just looking around and I'm kind of taking everybody in and everybody seemed to be pretty happy. Everybody seemed to be pretty smiley. And here's what I started thinking. If these people knew what I've been into over the last three years, over the last three days, would they really want me here? Would I really have been getting hugs and handshakes out in that little lobby before I made it through the doors if they knew who I really was? And I was 100% convinced the answer to that question was no way. There's no way if they knew the kind of life I live the kind of stuff I've said, even about God. The way I heard about heaven and hell as a kid, but walked away from all of it like, they wouldn't want me here. I'm not good like the rest of these people. And I think it's interesting because I'm not sure that's just a first time visitor mentality. I wonder how many of us watching this right now who've been doing church for many, many years have those same feelings. You're watching online right now or you're sitting in a building right now. And the truth is in your mind, there's really good people all around you who love God and worship God and are faith filled and don't have habits and don't have issues and don't deal with doubts and don't have the things that I have. And if they all knew me, would they really want me here? I think that's why we gotta constantly remind ourselves, church, this is not a courtroom. 
This is a hospital and that's where broken, sick people go. And we are all broken, just broken in different ways. And, and nobody in the room's perfect, whether you watch an online, at home, in an office, in a gym, in a church building, we're all broken people. We're all imperfect people who need a perfect God. But so many times we sit in an environment like this and all we can focus on is I'm so screwed up that if they knew, they would never want me around this place. You ever feel that? I don't think it's just a first time to church thing. I can't tell you how many times, years into a relationship with God, I'll be in a church service. I've sat in church services as a pastor and went, if they really knew how screwed up I am, they wouldn't think the same thing about me. They wouldn't want me here. You ever feel that? It's real, isn't it? John 10, 10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but, but, God, but Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. What we know is, is that we're here, a part of this service for a reason. What we know is that according to the word of God, his presence is with us, wants to change us today, wants to speak to us today. So if you wanna steal, kill, and destroy that, what do you wanna do? You wanna whisper lies in your ear telling you you don't belong, you shouldn't be here, who are you kidding, you're a hypocrite, you're not good enough, you don't have the faith, you don't have what it takes, who are, right? So we just gotta, we just gotta recognize it for what it is. It's a lie from the pit of hell. I am a child of God, I am an heir to the throne. He does want me in his presence. Step boldly with confidence into my presence in your time of need to experience my mercy and my grace, right? Just wanna remind you, and I said it before and I'm gonna say it again. I don't care how screwed up you think you are, how far away from God you think you are, what your beliefs are, what your doubts are, what your defects are. You're welcome here. You're wanted here. You've been prayed for. We're glad you're here. Please keep coming back. We believe that God's got an amazing plan for your life. If you have a Bible, flip open to uh, John 4. We're gonna look at a, a lady who would deal with that exact same feeling. That feeling of, I'm just not good enough, and I bet you they don't want me around. If you spend some time in church, you'll know this woman as the Samaritan woman, the woman that Jesus talked to at a well. Let's read John 4. We're going to start in verse 4. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. This is Jesus, is on the road. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, I guess I didn't need to say that, they're gonna tell us. Just read. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. God doesn't waste words. So it was about noon is important. He gave us that detail for a reason. We're gonna see that in a second. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, a Samaritan woman is coming to draw water from a well to take care of drinking and bathing and laundry and cooking and the whole thing. She's coming to draw water from a well, and, and it's going, when she leaves, it's going to be a very heavy jar of water to carry back to wherever she's living. 
I was on a missions trip with, uh, with our youth group here in, in South Africa, and we actually went to a well similar to what the Bible's talking about here, uh, a well where today, in the mornings, women, mostly women, children, didn't see many men, mostly women down by the well in the mornings, we helped them carry these jars and jugs and containers of water to their house, and I'm telling you, real heavy, real hard work, a lot of it up and down rough terrain, and, and our, our, our guide said something that made this story come alive to me. He said, hey, I want you guys to, to notice how early this is happening today. And I was like, trust me, I'm not a morning person, bro. I've noticed, all right? He's like, you won't see anybody down here in the afternoon. Because as you're about to find out, this is too hard of work. It's, it's already like, it's, it's grueling. And when it gets hot, it's torture. So nobody's coming to this well in the afternoon. And he mentioned this story. And he said, that's why John said, this woman came at noon. Something's not right. Something's going on weird in this story because nobody goes at noon to get water. It's too hot. It's too much. It's too hard work. I'm gonna give you the context of this story. This woman has had five divorces and is currently living with a guy she's not married to. Now, this is a extremely religious culture, and I don't say that in a positive way. See, uh, we'll get into this at another time on another day, but we're not about religion. We're about relationship with Jesus. Religion says I gotta do and don't and obey the rules so I can earn my way to God. And relationship with Jesus says, no, you're perfect in God's sight because of what Jesus already has done, and you can have a relationship. I don't wanna be a part of religion. I want relationship with Jesus. So, but this is a very religious society. And... It's all about the do's and the don'ts and the how well do you follow the rule and we'll all pretend that we're perfect. So that's the culture. Well, she's broke too many of the rules. And so she is now what they would call unclean. And they also believe that not only are you now shamed because you're unclean, if I get close enough to this girl, her shame can be transferred onto me just by proximity. So not only can I not get close, now she can't come to church. If you're unclean, you don't get to go to the worship services anymore. We don't want you around. Church people don't, don't want you around. God doesn't want you around. And so all she can think about is because they really know me, they really don't want me. Because I'm too much of a mess, I'm too far gone, I'll go get water at noon. And the first verse we read said Jesus had to go through Samaria. The truth is, geographically, he didn't have to go through Samaria. In fact, most Jewish people in his position wouldn't. They would walk around because Jews hated Samaritans that bad. But Jesus said, no, 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 I gotta go. I have to. Because there's one of my kids that's hurting over in Samaria, and I don't play these religious games in fact, John, the chapter before, he knows he's about to tell us the story of the, of the woman at the well. And so in chapter three, he says this. I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit, guys. Read chapter, John three seventeen. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So he, John knows. I don't want you to read chapter four and go, his original readers would go, what in the world is Jesus doing hanging out with a Samaritan woman? He's a Jewish rabbi. Jews hate Samaritans. A rabbi can't be talking with a woman. This woman is unclean. He's gonna be unclean. Now he can't go to the temple. None of it makes sense. And John goes, I don't even want that to trip you up. So in the chapter before, he says, that's not why Jesus came. He didn't come to play religious games and condemn people who have made mistakes like everybody else wants to do. I came to die for you. I came to save you. I came to restore you. I came to love you. I came to value you. 
And she's about to find this out. It's about to blow her wildest dreams. She was 100% sure she doesn't fit in, and nobody, especially God-type people, would want anything to do with her. And she's about to have an encounter with Jesus and realize he doesn't want to condemn me. He wants to love me and welcome me home and save me, and it's about to change everything. Amen? Let's go back to Rockford and see what happens next. Isn't it true that there's certain places, certain moments in our life that as we look back on, on the course of our entire life, we go that moment right there, that place right there, that changed the direction of my entire life? This seat right here is that for me. We finished worship. I'm making fun of things in my mind. I'm 100% sure nobody wants me here. And the pastor comes up. He's kind of a little guy with a Southern accent, which really took me by surprise. And he's supposed to do a sermon. And he starts to pray. And, and I'm telling you, you can't make this stuff up. He all of a sudden stops. And he goes, church, I can't explain this, but God has put something so strong on my heart. I can't even begin to preach the message today. There is somebody in this room who so badly needs the love of Jesus <laughs> that if you don't give your life to him today, you're going to lose everything. It was like this. It was like the whole room was empty and he was just talking to me. That's how I felt. And he said, just bow your heads right now. And we're going to pray. And, and we bowed our heads and they told us to all close our eyes. And I don't know if people cheated or not. It's like, if, if you know that's you, and you know that God brought you here for a reason. And you need to experience his love and his grace and his forgiveness. And you need a new life. He said, raise your hand. And I could not believe it. With, with drugs in my pocket, I sat in this seat. I don't know if anyone else raised their hand. I didn't look. I couldn't believe it was happening. And then he did something that I really wasn't expected. To be honest, I felt a little tricked. He said, if you raise your hand, I want to ask you to come front. I want to ask you to come down to what they called an altar. This is an old school altar call. I want to ask you to come down to the altar and pray. I didn't even know what the altar meant, which kind of freaked me out a little bit. But I knew I could feel like as salvation was being explained to me that Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay the price for my sins and I could have forgiveness and a new life. As he briefly explained it and offered this prayer, like my heart started beating out of my chest like I could feel it. And, and maybe you're watching this right now and you're having that same feeling. You can feel something. That, that, that's the Holy Spirit. That's not coincidence. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God himself tapping you on the shoulder right now, trying to get your attention, saying, I got a better life for you. I got something else. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to keep going the way you're going. You can have a brand new life. And when we choose that, we put our faith in him. He forgives us of our sins. His spirit starts to live inside of us and we're on our way to heaven. I didn't know any of that stuff. All right. What I knew is he said I could have a new life and Jesus was the answer. And I raised my hand and he said, now come forward to the altar and in my leather jacket and chain wallet and combat boots, knowing I stuck out like like a like a sore thumb. I just didn't care. And I walked down this very aisle right here. I just kept looking at the floor because honestly, I was afraid of what everyone else might think of me. But I didn't care. I got right here 
And I looked over here and I saw there was one other person over there and they got on their knees. So I just assumed, I guess that's what you do. And so I got on my knees right here. And I couldn't stop me. I was just crying and crying. And I didn't know what to pray. I never really prayed. And I remember all I kept saying was, God, I'm so sorry. God, I'm so sorry. God, I'm so sorry. And I think I said it like a million times. I was thinking about it this week. I think, I think one of the reasons why all I knew to say was I'm sorry and I just kept saying it and saying it and saying it was because I felt like when I was coming to this altar and when I was coming to God, that I was coming to an angry father. That's, that's what I thought. That's why I kept saying, sorry, sorry, sorry. What I didn't realize is I was coming to a loving, gentle, excited dad with his arms wide open going, welcome home, son. It's like that story in Luke 15 where the prodigal son comes home. That was me. And, and if you read it for yourself, it talks about how on the way home, he started practicing his apologies. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But he didn't even get a chance to get it out. The dad just runs up to him and he says, no, 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 none of that. You decided to come home. Welcome home. You're loved, you're valued, you're accepted, you're here, you're mine. And, and it wasn't like a negative thing. He actually took him inside and took him to a party. And so today, if you feel that tap of the Holy Spirit, you feel something on the inside saying, man, I need Jesus today. Understand you're not coming home to an angry father. You're coming home to an excited dad who's been waiting and counting the moments and counting the days until finally he could get your attention on a day like today. And you would come running home to him and he would be able to wrap his arms around you and, and give you the grace and the love and the mercy and the acceptance that you've been so badly craving. And you get all that and heaven forever when you decide to make this decision that I made so many years ago right here at this church. That's a crazy experience, huh? I gotta be honest, um, we've been walking around here for a couple hours now, and uh, as you just saw, it's been very moving to me um, in a way that really surprised me. I didn't think it would be. It's, it's been very moving to go back to the place where I first gave my life to God, partly because it reminds me of what I was going through back then, of who I was back then. And uh, can I just say that if, if you've already given your life to God, an amazing exercise for you to do this week is take yourself back. Go, go back to that spot mentally. Go back physically if you can. Go back to that spot where you had some real God moments in your life. Because here's what I've realized. Um, I'm not what I wanna be these days uh, in, the, in the sense of, and I think we all feel this, like I wish I was better at, I wish I did this more, I wish I did this more, I wish I didn't struggle with this quite as much as I do. Like we all have those things where I'm not quite where I wanna be, but I'll tell you what church, just being in this building and being in this room has reminded me, I might not be what I want to be yet, but I sure am not what I used to be. God has brought me so far. And I'm telling you guys, I remember that day like it was yesterday. And I walked out of that door, heading to this parking lot. And about the time we hit the parking lot, I already had this thought, I gotta tell somebody. I just did, like, I gotta tell somebody about what, and I'm not kidding, I have no clue. I had no clue how it was gonna work out. Um, I had this thought go through my head, like, I'm gonna spend, that was so real. That was so life-changing. I remember walking out going, I can breathe. Like, I felt like I stepped out of a squat rack 
and just had this like lightness and airiness and peace that I hadn't had my whole life. And I remember thinking as I was on this sidewalk, walking to the parking lot, I'm gonna spend the rest of my life telling people about what I just experienced. That thought in and of itself makes no sense. Like, I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared. I hadn't read the Bible. I didn't know anything. I hadn't changed the direction of my life. I still had illegal substances in my pocket. Like none of that had changed. But what I all of a sudden realized is, is what I experienced was so game changing. I gotta go, I gotta go tell somebody else about what I experienced. I gotta let them experience this through my eyes. Amen. I'm gonna highlight two things and we're gonna close from that last clip. First is this, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, today is your day. This is your moment. And I'm so excited for you. I was sitting here thinking about it. As I was watching, I was like, so many people's lives are about to change forever today. And you're not coming home to an angry father. You're coming home to a really excited, loving dad who can't wait to change your life and invite you to the party. So I'm gonna give you a chance to pray that prayer here in just a minute. But as we close, I want, to, I want to talk to those of you who call this place home, or maybe, you're, maybe you don't call this place home, but you are watching right now or listening, and you have a relationship with God already. Can I challenge you to stop keeping your story to yourself? Now, maybe you're not. Maybe you go, that doesn't apply to me. Okay, fine. Then you can pass this on to somebody else who it does. But I'm telling you, if, if we're not careful on autopilot, we spend way more time saying, God, thank you for my story than we ever do doing, hey, can I tell you about my story? He loves us to say thank you for my story. Thank you for my story. Thank he loves it. But he also wants us to say, can I tell you about it? That's, that's, that's where the power was, right? What Jesus did and the power of our story. I want you to see God from my vantage point. I'm not gonna argue you to death. I'm not gonna shame you with scripture. I'm not gonna hold up signs and yell at you. I'm not gonna take the Bible and beat you over the head with it and see if I can make you feel worse than you already do. I'm not gonna pretend I have all the answers. I don't, I'm not perfect, I got questions. I got so many things I wanna ask God when I get to heaven, things I'll be like, care to explain yourself? <laughs> I don't know, I, I don't, that's a great question, I don't know. All I can tell you is, I'll tell you what I have experienced. I'll tell you what God did with me, because you can argue my theology till your head pops off, but you can't argue away my experience with Jesus. You just can't, and so I'll just share my vantage point. And that's what we see this woman do in John chapter four. She has this conversation, this game-changing conversation with Jesus, and you'll have to read it on your own this week, where she realizes, wait a second, he's not angry, he didn't come to condemn me, he wants to love me and value me and accept me and pay the price for me and change me. And she experiences his power and watch the very next thing she does. Same chapter, verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, these are the same people that she was avoiding at the well. These are people that scare her to death, that make her feel really insecure, that make her feel really nervous. Listen, had, she hadn't even moved out of the house with the dude she's living with. She still had five divorces. She didn't take a Bible class real quick. She didn't get a theology degree real quick. She didn't put her, she's the same person she was just now with an experience. Now, I'm, yes, I'm messed up, but I got an experience with Jesus, with, with which makes me armed and dangerous, and I'm going to go tell somebody about it. So she goes back to the town. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? 
They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's Let's try that again at every single location. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's There's power in your story, I'm telling you. Power to change somebody else's life. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. Because of his words, many more became believers. I love this. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now, see, now I have my own experience. And now I know that this man really is the savior of the world. It was your courage and your willingness to say, let me show you my experience with God. Let me show you Jesus from my vantage point. That's what gave me the curiosity and the courage to check out God. But now I have my own experience, and now I have a story too. And that's what they're saying. Thank you. Our town is different. Our family is different. Our lives are different because you had the courage to share your vantage point. Thank you. We'll never be the same. That's what, that, that's what they're saying right there. And I don't know about you, but my hope is to run into people nonstop in heaven and have people go, your story made a difference for me. Thank you for sharing it. Thanks for taking a risk on me. Don't you want somebody coming up to you in heaven and going, thank you for taking a risk on me. We worked together and I did not make it easy on you. We went to school together and I did not make it easy on you. We were on the same team. We were in the same family. We were in the same neighborhood, whatever. And, and I was a real risk but you took a risk on me. And when you told me your story, it did something to me and it changed me. And now I'm in heaven forever because of it. Thank you so much. Don't we want that? That's what we want, church. Scotty, you can come on up. I'm going to close. Hey, can you turn my mic off for one second? I have to blow my nose. Pretend you don't see this. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see. Clean? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We're family, right? Hey, uh, I heard something at a staff meeting recently, and there's, it's a five-word phrase. I want you to take it home with you. And if you're at home, just let it sink in. Man, it, it, it hit me. Um, we're in a staff meeting, and we try real hard to have family moments as a team, and amazing guy on our team named Adam Rowe, who has faithfully served behind the scenes at this church for almost 10 years. Adam, I love you so much. Started talking about one of the things that has shaped his life. It was somebody else's story. It was his sister's story. And his sister had multiple sclerosis, and she died at the age of 17 during a double lung transplant surgery. It was her 65th surgery. She was 70, 17 years old, 65th surgery. And Adam said, if you knew Julie, like all she was about was helping people and, and loving Jesus. I want you, I want, she, 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 you just, if you knew Julie, you knew. Anything I have is yours if it'll help you see Jesus. Anything I have is yours if it'll help you find Jesus. Adam said before her last surgery, before this double lung transplant, the family was in there and the doctors were in there and the doctors said, do you have any questions? Last question she asked. She said, yes, if, um, if I don't make it through this surgery, can you donate anything to help somebody else? 
Adam said that's just who she was. Nobody knew it at the time, but she wouldn't make it through that surgery. And Adam stood right here in front of our staff recently. He said, guys, the only thing that wasn't, the only thing that was able to be donated was her eyes because everything else from her disease and all the surgeries was too compromised. And he said, but our family loves knowing that there's somebody in this world that gets to see Jesus through her eyes. And I sat there and it just wrecked me. And I talked to Adam about it this week. I was telling him how much I respected and loved him and his family and what an impact his sister's life has made on me and I never even got to meet her. And we both agreed. As followers of Christ, that's supposed to be all of our stories. I go to my work and I take risks. I go to my school and I take risks. I go to family reunions and I take risks. I go to wherever God has me, in my correctional facility, in this hospital room, in my home, in this neighborhood, in this job, whatever it is. Because what I want is I want somebody to be able to see Jesus through my eyes. That's what I want. That's what I'm living for. I'm going to start taking some risks. Church, would you join me? I feel like God's challenged me recently. Go back to that passion you had when you first got saved. Not about running churches and speaking in front of crowds, but sharing your faith with a person. Go back, get that passion for lost people. That's who we're called to be, church. It'll change us. It'll allow God to change others. And then we can not just have make heaven more crowded on websites and walls, but it can be something that describes the way we live our lives. And that's the church family I want to be a part of with you. Deal? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that your presence is with us right now. I thank you, God. We can feel it. We can sense your presence. And I know you're speaking to people right now. God, I pray that this week you would start to put names on our heart, put faces on our heart, begin to reignite a passion for lost people in our souls, begin to give us courage, begin to give us the ability and opportunity to take some God-ordained risks that we might reach somebody, love somebody, invest in somebody, share our story, share our life, share our church. And God, I thank you ahead of time for the eternal lives that are gonna be changed when this church family realizes we are an army of broken Christ followers, but we're armed and dangerous with a life-changing story inside of us. And God, I pray for those who haven't experienced you yet. And I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this eternity changing moment that they're about to experience with everyone's eyes closed everywhere. I'm talking to those of you who have been feeling God tapping on your heart today. I'm talking to those of you who have thought, I don't need God. I'm talking to those of you who have felt like I used to feel I'm not good enough for God. God wouldn't want me anyways. And now that you've come face to face with the good news of Jesus Christ, that he didn't come to condemn the world, he came to save the world, and that includes you. If this is your moment and you know today is my day, I need to ask God to forgive me of my sins and be the Lord of my life. I'm gonna say yes to Jesus today. I'm not gonna be perfect. 
I don't know exactly what it's gonna look like, but Jesus, I want you. I want your spirit living in me and I want heaven forever. If that's you and you know it right now at every location around the world, put your hand in the air. Put them up high, don't worry. I'm not gonna ask you to walk down front. <laughs> but sometimes it's good to, for a physical action to follow an inward decision. Put your hands up high at every location. Come on, Brussels. Come on, God behind bars, respond to God. No matter where you're at, if you're watching online, there might be a raise hand button you can click, click that button. If not, follow the link that's on the lower half, lower part of the screen right now, redrockschurch.com forward slash yes. And we will get you a 30-day devotional. We'll help you find out how to get plugged into a church and in a small group and begin walking this journey with you. God, I thank you that you are here, that you are moving, that lives are changing. We thank you for your son. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for the story that you've given us. Now, God, help us to go share it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's stand up and let's worship.